Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Now, if you're new to faith or this is your first time, no, I don't always preach in a hat. This is my first time wearing a hat. And if you're someone who believes that a preacher should always have a suit with them, here it is. <laughs> Open your Bible to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to pick off where we left off two weeks ago. Last week we were blessed by the ministry of our founder, Bishop Butler. We're so glad that he came to minister unto us. So on July 2nd, we started a series for the month of July called The Bucket List. The Bucket List. And so we're going to do a little bit of review before we get into what God has for us today. John chapter 4. We won't go through this whole story. We talked in depth on July 2nd. The woman at the well, why she came there at noon, her history and her problem. But for the sake of review, we're going to pick it with verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus told the woman at the well, if you know, if you would know two things, what is the gift and who is the giver? The gift is living water. The giver is Jesus, who is the source of the living water. The woman says unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. You don't have a bucket. The well is deep. Where does your living water come from? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. This word thirst means suffer from thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, as we looked at before, that means shall become in him. So that's a process. A well of water springing up or gushing up unto everlasting life. One of the things we said two weeks ago is you can have living water and still be thirsty. I can hold this for the rest of my life and still die of thirst. It does me no good until I take a sip. Many Christians are dying spiritually because they're not taking a sip of the living water Jesus put on the inside of them. But notice, as we saw here, it's not just supposed to stop at living water. Jesus said, I will give you living water, but it shall become in you a well springing up. So that's a process from going to, I got living water, now I'm a source. Go to John chapter 7. The water becomes in you a well and a fountain. It's a well fed by a spring. And as you turn there, I'll read to you verse 28. 
Because after she believed on Jesus, it says that then the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and began to tell others what she just found, who she just found. So the thing is, I want you to point out that seemed like a random scripture. Why did she leave her bucket? Okay, good, she left her bucket. It's better that she went to tell people. But one of the revelations I want you to catch is not just because she left her bucket, is she became a bucket. She believed on Jesus. She received the living water. Now she went to the city and began to distribute the living water. As we looked at two weeks ago, that when you give, it comes back to you. The liberal soul, or the soul of blessing, shall be made fat. So if you water, you shall be watered yourself. And so you can increase what you have by giving what you receive. One of the ways that I've realized there'll be, I'll teach a subject, and by the time I'm done with the series, I have more revelation on the subject. Not because of my study. Now, yes, I study and learn new things, but it's because I gave. The law always works. I gave, it comes back to me. So the next time I'm on that subject, have more revelation. And then I'll talk about it some more and I'll grow some more. Why? Because I'm consistently giving. We made that point on July 2nd that you can grow in revelation the same way. How do you do that? Whatever you get on Sunday, talk about it on Monday. And so the next time you come to it, you understand more because you activated the law of sowing and reaping. So John chapter 7, verse 37, still reviewing. On July 2nd, we looked in detail what this feast was, and I encourage you to get the podcast or download on the website. We have it up there for free, so you can get it and listen to it again and again. If you would like a CD, you can buy that from the bookstore, but everything on the podcast and online is free. But John 7:37 says, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The Amplified Classic Edition says, from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. So notice something about this. This is not just Jesus giving you living water anymore. This is not just you being a spring. It says rivers from one person. So we know how to increase. We looked at it last week. But another way, Jesus said it very plainly here. If you come to me, you'll be a river. This is a process. It's not just a one time I came to church. One time I prayed. One time I opened my Bible. This is a lifestyle. That every day I'm coming before Jesus, I'm spending time in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. I'm opening the word. I'm pouring my life out, and it's being poured out back into me, and I'm becoming a river. You do not become a river overnight. You don't become a river as soon as you're saved, as soon as you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. This is a process growing and increasing in the things of God. One of the things we asked. Is can God trust you with the drawing the water from your spirit to share with others? Can he trust you to always go on the inside, pull out from the well on the inside of you, take a drink, and then share with the rest of the world? 
Or are you those who only drink the living water for yourselves? Or worse yet, are you a believer who's dying of thirst? How many believers are living like the world when they have the answer the world needs? So if you believe, what you have will increase. From the water Jesus gives, it grows to a spring, and then it should increase until there are rivers of living water. In the continual coming to him and walking with him, he continually pours into you, and you become a river of living water. You become someone who takes their bucket to their spring and river and shares it with others. Go to Mark 5, 19, and we'll end our review in Mark. We looked in detail at this man who used to be the madman of Gadara. He's now delivered. He is set free. He's clothed. He's in his right mind. And he makes the request we all would. Jesus, can I go with you? So many times people who were healed or delivered in Jesus' ministry says, follow me. Or they joined his ministry party. But he tells this man something different in Mark chapter 5 verse 19. Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. Go and tell people what I did for you. Go and tell them how I loved you. And we saw the result two weeks ago that by the time Jesus came back to that city, because this city was kicking Jesus out, they said, Jesus, we don't want you. We don't want your miracle working power. It's time for you to go. And Jesus is a gentleman, so he left. But he told this man, you go preach love. You go preach my goodness. Why? Perfected, mature love evicts fear. Fear had dominated that coast for years. Everybody was afraid. Everybody was living in fear. Everybody was bowing down to the spirit of fear, even though those 2,000 demons had fled. But everybody was already programmed by the demons. Next month, we're going to do a series on spiritual warfare and what it actually is and what it isn't. Because the thing is, Paul talks about there are doctrines of demons. So even if people aren't possessed, they could be living according to the doctrine or the teaching of a demon because they spend time with it so long. So this whole region is operating by that teaching of the spirit of fear. And Jesus said, we're going to end it, so you go preach love. You go preach my goodness. And when he came back, it said they brought a man to him. So notice, they're not staying away from Jesus. They came to find Jesus. They took the hardest case that says he can't hear, he can't speak. Jesus prayed for him. His ears opened. He began to speak plainly, and they began to praise him, says he does all things well. Why? That man took what he received from Jesus and began to share, and began to share, and began to share. Go to Luke chapter 8. We all have something to offer. It's not just super spiritual people you think have something to offer. It's not just the pastor or the preacher or the bishop or the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher that have something to offer. If you are saved, you have something to offer. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. 
And it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with them, and certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto them of their substance. So this group went with Jesus. They sold into his ministry, but they were also testifying of the goodness of God. It says he showed the glad tidings. How did he do that? He preached the message, and then he had Mary Magdalene stand up, testify what God did for you. Susanna, testify what did God do for you. Jesus had testimony services. He would go to the hillside and have people testify. What did God do for you? How did he set you free? How did his love change your life? And he would preach, and he would lay hands on the sick. That's what he did. So all these people, this crew were going around sharing the love. Sharing the living water. They're continually pouring out again and again. And notice they weren't the 12. Everybody expects the apostles, the 12, picked by Jesus, spend the most time with them to keep pouring out. And they did. But there's also another group that kept pouring out. Go to Luke chapter 10. You'll see more about them. Luke 10, verse 1. In chapter 9, you see Jesus sent out the 12. Two by two, but now Luke chapter 10, something else happens. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. 70 more people. These aren't the apostles. When he said it out, these are just people who believed. They say they were called to preach. They say they're called to stand in ministry offices. They may have done that later on, but this is not what they were called to do at that moment. So he appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. What is he doing? He's deputizing people. Go to that city. Take some living water. Tell them what I tell you. Prepare them for my coming. That sounds like the ministry of John the Baptist, who God sent before Jesus to prepare his way. And just like during the first coming, there was a John the Baptist. Before Jesus comes again, there are John the Baptist. You are supposed to prepare the way for the return of the Lord. And you do it by sharing. You do it by sharing. You do it by sharing. Now, you might say, I don't have anything to say. Yes, you do. We'll say, well, all I know is Jesus loves me. That's a perfect place to start. Well, all I know is Jesus saved me. That is a great place to start. So what happens after I tell them that? Say, I'm still learning, so come to church with me. You have to go with what you know. Flow with what you know. As the Holy Ghost said, the tongues interpretation, you got to go, go, go. It's not just, well, I'll wait till I feel ready. You will never feel ready. And when God calls on you outside of this building, it's not going to be on days you feel spiritual. It's not going to be on days you feel anointed. It's going to be on days when you're dressed like this. See, a lot of times people expect God to move through exterior circumstances that look like you're prepared for ministry. 
Most people would expect me to come in this today because it looks like what the preacher should wear who's prepared for ministry. But I want to show you that God wants to use you when you don't look like you are supposed to be there. You may go out the house, have your hat on, not even shave, go out there and people don't know. They're not expecting living water to flow. God wants to use you wherever you go, whether you look the part or not. Whether people think you qualify or not, you have to be ready at all times. That's why it's a lifestyle continually coming to him, of being poured into and pouring out. Because the times God will use you the greatest is when you feel nothing. I have some people, we've had moves of the Spirit here, and people say, oh, you must have felt something. I said, oh, I felt nothing. You mean that whole time? Yeah, nothing. Well, people were falling, people were getting healed. I know, felt nothing. Why? It's not about what I feel. It's about what I believe. It's about what I got on the inside. That I know that I know Jesus lives in me. I know that I know that I'm anointed. I know that I know I got the Holy Ghost. I have something to offer, so here it goes. It's not about what you feel. You can't rely on the anointing just because you feel something or you got goosebumps. You got to know what the Bible says is true. You got to know you have a relationship with God. It's not about religion. It's about your relationship. Because you can do all the right things. Here's the difference between religion and relationship. They'll both do the right things. But religion does it empty. So they'll keep doing the right things. Keep emptying the bucket, but there's nothing on the inside. Keep entering the bucket, there's nothing on the inside. So they're not drinking, and no one else is getting drunk. And so they get burned out. They get tired, and they begin to say, this faith stuff doesn't work. They begin to say, I don't know about this Jesus. I followed him for 10 years, but it doesn't work for me anymore. And they began to believe other things because they weren't taking a drink. It's not that they didn't do the right things. It's that they forgot about the relationship. See, those with the relationship do the same things, but they learn, pour up, take a sip, pour out. Let's do it again. Take a sip, pour out. It is a lifestyle. It's what you do consistently. And the thing is, you won't always look the part. So get ready to lay hands on the sick when you got a hoodie on and basketball shorts. Ladies, get ready to prophesy when your hair is not looking all the good. You just have a hat on. You've got a pat while you prophesy. <laughs> Stop thinking that every situation is going to be perfect for God to use you. Because as quiet as it's kept, it's not about you. It's about the one who lives on the inside of you, and you just got to be ready to let him rip. But that's about you believe, and you spend time with him, and so now you're ready wherever you go. You're looking for an opportunity. Come on, Jesus, let me, let me add something. Come on, come on, come on. You start looking at canes differently. You start looking at problems differently. Oh, you're sad today. What's going on? Okay, just let me pray for you. And that's, you don't have to be deep. You don't have to grab out a bottle of oil and dump it on them. You don't have to grab their head and shake them. Just put your hand on their shoulder. We'll let you in. Pray. 
Because the power is not in how loud you are. It's in what you believe and what you say. You have to be prepared. The, what I have from the Spirit today is be ready for me to use you. Expect me to use you when you don't feel anointed. Because that's when you know you really are. It's great to feel. It's great to have encounters where we just felt the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. That's great. But that's not where faith is. Faith is he told you you're anointed. He told you to go talk to that person. And you do it. This world needs you. God needs you to do what he's called you to do. To become rivers of living water wherever you go. So our goal should be to become rivers that are joining together to become a flood. Our goal should be to become rivers that are joining together to become a flood. So on July 2nd, we looked at how to draw water from our well so we wouldn't thirst. But today, we're going to look at how to take what we have and make a difference. So there's three categories we're going to look at today. Your talents and time your prayers and spiritual supply, and your tithe and treasure. So category one, your talent and time. Category two, your prayers and spiritual supply. Category three, your tithe and your treasure. Your talent and time, your prayers and spiritual supply, and your tithe and treasure. So let's look at your talent and time. Go to Romans 12, verse 4. Romans 12. Romans 12. Verse 4. That's what Paul says about the Holy Ghost. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministry, or he that teaches on teaching. Or he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity. He that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. He's going through different things that are giftings. They're not spiritual gifts, they are talents. They are giftings. Part of showing mercy is part of what nurses do, what doctors do. When he began to think about it, we're thankful that they have great training, but think about what some nurses go through on a daily basis. Stuff they have to clean, things they have to see that most of us would run the other direction. That is a calling, not a career. And there is a grace for that. So it's talking about different things that are according to the grace of God. God has gifted and graced each believer. All of our giftings and talents 
differ according to the gift God has given us. Quickly, let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. If you're new to faith, you see very quickly we believe in the book. We're going to go through many different scriptures as we build our case because you don't have, we preach and we teach and we believe you don't take anything a preacher has to say unless they can prove it to you from the book. Matthew 25, 15. We know this parable. Back with verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling to a far country who had his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And he gave one five talents, another two, and another one. These are actually financial amounts. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. So the five, per, the person who got five talents, God gave it to him because of the ability he had. The one who had two, according to his ability. The one who had one, according to his ability. Don't be upset just because someone is more talented than you are. Don't be upset. It seems like God gave them more giftings. God gave them more talents. God gave them more ability. Don't get upset. Just use what God has given you. Because the five took his five and made five more. And he was rewarded by God. The two took his two and made two more. And God rewarded him the same way he rewarded the five. Now, the person who had the one, if he did the same thing and brought back one more, he would have got the same reward as the one who had five and the one that had a two. But the one who had one thought little of his master and thought little of what he gave him and hid it, did nothing with it, and brought it back to him and said, well, here's what you gave me. I didn't use it. It's yours. And what did the master call him? He said, you wicked and lazy servant. He said, at least you could have put it on the bank so I got interest. See, God always expects growth. He will give you giftings, he'll give you talents, he'll give you skills, but he doesn't want that to be the greatest you ever are at it. He wanted to increase so that you can produce more. Go to Luke 13. Multiply and improve what God has given you. Go to Luke chapter 19, excuse me, verse 13. Luke chapter 19, a similar parable. So your talents and your time. Because it takes time to develop your talents. It takes time to use your talents. Every person has a dual calling. You have a calling for outside the house of God. And you have a calling for inside the house of God. Luke 19 verse 13. Everyone has a dual calling. One for inside the house of God, one for outside the house of God. Verse 13, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. Do business with what I give you till I come. Now the ten pounds is much less than talents. But he gave them this amount and said, do business with it. Occupy all streets. You may not think what you have is much. Use it, and God will give you more. You're supposed to do business with what he gives you. You're supposed to multiply with what he gives you. 
You're supposed to produce. God expects us to grow according to our purpose. So we looked at your talent and your time. Go to Philippians 1. Let's look at the next category. Your spiritual supply and your prayer life. Philippians 1. Verse 19. Your spiritual supply and your prayer life. Notice what Paul said. Addressing the situation that he's in. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation. To my deliverance. How? Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I know my situation will change not because I'm some great apostle. Not because I'm anointed. Not because I preach the gospel. But because you pray for me. And because of your supply. Every believer has a supply of the Spirit of God on the inside of them. What is that supply? Your living water, your bucket. Say, I have a supply. Go to 1 Corinthians 12 7. Chapter 12 talks about spiritual things, the things relating to the Spirit, but also talks about what we call the nine gifts of the Spirit. Look what it says in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Then it goes through the different nine giftings. It says one is given this to one is given that. So when God puts a gift of the Spirit in you, it's so that everybody can profit. But it only moves as the Holy Ghost wills. So you can't say, well, I'm going to prophesy right now. Not if he didn't tell you to prophesy. It's as he will. But notice, these giftings, seven of the nine aren't just for the house of God. Yes, it works in the house of God. But seven of the nine should be used in the street. Tongues and interpretation of tongues is unique to this dispensation that's for the house of God. Now, it could happen in a group of believers outside of the church setting, but it's mainly for a setting of believers. But the other seven of the nine aren't limited to ministry gifts or to the house. The word of knowledge should operate in your daily life, especially if you've got kids. The word of knowledge is God's insight, God's knowledge concerning the past and the present. When I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for a few years, and I would say the word of knowledge is the best friend of a youth pastor because the Holy Ghost would tell on the kids. They'd walk in the room, and the Lord said, this and this just happened. Go talk to them. It got to the point, he was one of my youth there, so he can nod in agreement. He's having flashbacks right now. (laughs) 
kids would come up and say, look, we're going to tell you before the Holy Ghost tells on us. Here's what happened today at school. Why? The word of knowledge. The Holy Ghost would tell things. And you know, I sat in my faith and said, you guys better not act up in school. Because I would visit the schools. I'd show up. I wouldn't tell them I was coming. I had permission. I'd just show up in schools. But then it got to a point where the kids said, we heard your voice. We were about to do something, and we heard you preach. He was like, we didn't know he could do that. No, we ain't getting in a fight today. We ain't doing nothing stupid. Why? It's supernatural ministry. If you're a parent, there's so many things you can know by paying attention, but there's some things you won't know. So ask the Holy Ghost to tell you. And if you walk with him, he'll tell you exactly what's going on. Because you have to realize, yes, you know your kid, but God knows them better. So these seven of the nine aren't just for the house of God. It's for every believer, even outside of the house of God. It's given so that we all, as the body of Christ, can profit and rise up together. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Notice what Paul says here. Actually, back up to verse 8 so you know a little bit more of the context. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we are pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. What are you saying? We thought we were going to die. But we had the sin as a death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raises the dead. So our faith was in God. Even if we died, we still had stuff to do. We believe God to pick us back up again. Because that happened to Paul. Read the book of Acts. They stoned him, left him from dead. These are professional stoners, not the Colorado kind. They threw rocks at people till they died. They knew how to kill somebody. They threw him off a cliff, threw stones at him. He didn't move anymore. The believers go around Paul, probably thinking, what are we going to do? And Paul gets up, goes back into the city, and leaves early the next morning, not even taking a vacation day. You would think after you were just killed and raised from the dead, you'd take a few days off. But he went to the next city and kept moving. So this is what Paul's talking about. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver, and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. You also helping together by prayer for us. That for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. What he's saying, you helped us out of that situation because you prayed for us. How far the ministry goes is not just how if the preacher's anointed or the preacher's got wisdom. It's based if the people connected pray. If the people don't pray, how far it goes is limited. Go to Ephesians 6. Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament by the Holy Ghost. Yet you see time and time again, he says, pray for me. Pray for a brother. Help a brother out. Pray for me. Pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so, and don't forget to pray for me. Ephesians 6, verse 18 
We'll get into number of this next month when we talk about spiritual warfare. And then after that, we'll do the 30 days of prayer. But it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. Don't forget about me. That utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So if they didn't pray, Paul's mouth wouldn't be open to a way where he can reveal the mystery God gave him. But if they prayed, the mystery would keep going and more revelation would come. But it was if these people prayed and gave their supply of the Spirit. Go to Ephesians 4.16. Ephesians chapter 4, especially when he gets to the middle of the chapter, is talking about Jesus giving the ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That is for the maturing of the growing up of the saints. To train them for the work of the ministry, for the building up, the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie wait and deceive. So if you get tripped up because of a YouTube video taught you not to believe in Jesus anymore, you're not as grown as you think you are. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Every joint has a supply. Every believer has a supply. It's true for the global body of Christ, but it's also true for the local outpost of the body of Christ, the local church. Every person here has a supply, a supply of time and talent, a supply of prayer and the spirit of the Lord, a supply of tithe and treasure. But if you don't release your supply, the body cannot grow. It says we're supposed to grow and build up together in love. But if not every person is doing its part, growth is stunted. Say, I have a supply. Go to 2 Corinthians 10. Let's talk about your tithe and treasure. We saw how talents come from God. The time we have on this earth is a gift from God. The spiritual supply from the Spirit is something we have of God. And so is your treasure and your time. 2 Corinthians 10, starting with verse 6. But this I say, he was so sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he was so bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower... Both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. 
For the administration of the service not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Notice in the middle of this passage, God gives seed to the sower. The reason you have something at all to give when it comes around to tithe and offering time is because he gave it to you. It says he'll give bread for your food, but he'll also give you seed to sow. You're not supposed to eat the seed. Yes, it may taste good. Yes, it may be some nutritional benefit, but you limit what it can do if you eat your seed. Now, look. There is tithe, there's offering, and then there's that category called seed. So that means there's three different areas that I should be consistently activating where my giving is concerned. The Bible teaches from Malachi 3 and others that the tithe belongs to the church, and that's 10% off of your gross. It's to bring the offerings in, so whatever you give above that is an offering. And as the Lord leads you, give a seed. But offering and seed... It's not just limited to your local church. God can move on your heart to give to another ministry, to give to a missionary, to help build a hospital, and that's an offering or a seed that God may put in your hands for the purpose of sowing. That the only way God can get it or the way he prefers to get it to that person is through you. But if you eat your seed, you won't get a harvest. On top of that, a lot of times God tells people to do things, and they're slow about obeying God. They're not quite fully disobedient, they're just slow to be obedient. They may eventually give, they may eventually do what God told them to do, but they were slow. Think about on this other hand, if God told you to give to that person, and you don't give, you're slow to give, you are now delaying that person's deliverance. You are delaying that person's blessing. And do you know what happens? You are sowing a seed by not obeying quickly. So while you're wondering, well, why is, where's my breakthrough? Where's my harvest? Where's my blessing? Maybe, just maybe. Don't be offended. I won't look at you. Maybe it's because you were slow to give, so now you're slow to receive. You've got to be quick to obey. Because whether you like it or not, your destiny and a lot of things concerning your harvest is connected to other people. And other people's obedience or disobedience can have effect on the timeliness of your destiny. How do we know that? Look at Joshua and Caleb, great men of faith who obeyed God. But the rest of the nation was a hot mess. And God said, how long will they hate me? Fine, you won't get the promise. You can have what you say, but Joshua and Caleb will get the promise, although it's going to be 40 years delayed. Now you guys think, that's not fair. No, it's not. But the thing is about God, he knows how to make up for lost time. See, Joshua and Caleb are now in their 80s taking the promised land. They expected to be there in their 40s. And hear what Caleb told Joshua? I feel as good as I did back in the 40s. So give me a mountain. 
Don't give me something weak because you think I'm old, Joshua. You're the same age as me. Give me a mountain. Now, the thing is, a mountain is hard territory to take normally, but the giants lived on the mountain. And the chief giant and his kids lived on the mountain. Since those people back then were afraid of the giants, give me the giants. I want that mountain. I want my resort up there. I'm taking them all down. How could he do it? God made up the time to him. So just because you may be delayed and it's not your fault, it's others, don't give up. God is faithful. And he'll make it up to you. Go to 1 Corinthians 16. Let's wrap this thing up. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. We're talking about how to become rivers that come together to become a flood. Because for the things God wants us to do, where Faith Christian Center is concerned, we have to be a flood. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as has given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him that there be no more gatherings when I come. Notice multiple things just from these two verses. Paul expected the people to prosper every week. Now think about it, just your case. Most of us get paid every other week. But to prosper every week means there has something supernatural has to happen on the weeks where your paycheck doesn't come. I preached on this last year to the Wednesday night crowd. I said, set your faith to tithe every week. What is tithe? It's off of your increase. So that means not sowing a seed, not an offering, that God brought something extra into your hands on the weeks you didn't get a paycheck. Then I said, once you get there, go to the next level. Set your faith to tithe every time you come to church. So that means on non-payroll weeks, between Sunday at noon And Wednesday at 7, God has to put something in your hands. Then Wednesday at 8.30 to Sunday at 10 a.m., God's got to do it again. Then between that Sunday and Wednesday, he does it again. Then that Wednesday through Sunday, you get your paycheck. What is he doing? He's increasing you. He's prospering you. Part is for you. Another part is for your tithe, your offering, and the seed he tells you to sow. Go to Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. On a count of three, I want you to read it. One, two, three. Here. 
Now notice it said, what measure you mean. Now the measure is up to you. The measure is not a specific amount. It's a universal law. But where it comes to finances, it's whatever measure you choose. It's based on your obedience and based on your heart. Because you can tithe and give an offering and give a seed, and someone else can tithe and give an offering and a seed, and your incomes could be hugely different. You could be in one level, and they could be in a skyrocket level. But it's the same measure. It's based on your heart. It's based on your obedience to God's word and the leading of his spirit. But if you don't give, like he said, you're giving a stingy measure. You will receive a harvest, but it will be a stingy harvest. Remember, whatever you sow, you will reap, right? So don't expect to sow sparingly and reap abundantly. Paul said if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. It's not the financial amount, it's the obedience factor. So ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, are you stingy? Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, do you tithe or do you tip God? What measure are you using? Go to Isaiah 59 and we'll close here. So the way is we as a local body of believers here at Faith Christian Center become a flood is through giving our talent and time, giving our tithe and treasure, our prayer life, and our supply of the Spirit. You should pray for this ministry, your brothers and sisters at this church, and the leadership every single day to be part of your prayer life. I was talking with Bishop last week, something that we were praying for him, and something came out of my mouth. I was praying concerning something for the ministry. And he says, it's funny that you mentioned that. Here's what the Lord told me about it. And so there are a number of us praying about the same thing. Why? If you pray, you're setting up for it to come to pass. God won't just do it because he's God. Your prayers give him an invitation to move. Isaiah 59, verse 14. Read it from the Amplified Version first. Justice is turned away backward, and righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God stands far off. For truth has fallen in the street. The city's form and uprightness cannot enter the courts of justice. Yes, truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no what? And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor, no one to intervene on behalf of truth and right. 
Therefore, his own arm brought him victory. His own righteousness, having the spirit without measure, sustained him. For the Lord put on the righteousness as a breastplate or a coat of mail, and salvation as a helmet upon his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal. Notice something. This sounds like the armor of God in Ephesians 6. We'll get to that next month. Look at verse 19. Actually, let's go to look at the message version before we look at 19. It says, Our wrongdoings pile up before you, God. Our sins stand up and accuse us. Our wrongdoing stares down. We know in detail what we've done, mocking and denying God. Not following our God, spreading false rumors, inciting sedition, pregnant with lies, muttering malice. Justice is beaten back. Righteousness is banished to the sidelines. Truth staggers down the street. Honesty is nowhere to be found. Good is missing in action. Anyone renouncing evil was beaten and robbed. God looked and saw evil looming on the horizon. So much evil and no sign of justice. No one around to correct this awful situation. So he did it himself, took on the work of salvation, fueled by his own righteousness. He dressed in righteousness and put it on like a suit of armor, with salvation on his head like a helmet, put on judgment like an overcoat, and threw a cloak of passion around his shoulders. Then you'll get to verse 19. It says, for he'll arrive like a river in flood stage, whipped to a torrent by the wind of God. Verse 19 in the King James says, when the enemy shall come in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. So you may look around the city, the state, and the nation. Look around your world, and you see no justice. You see problems. You see situations. And you wonder why nothing is happening to correct it. Does God even care? But notice how he handles it. When the enemy comes in such a way and there's no justice, there's no righteousness, seems like evil is winning, God will bring a flood driven by the wind of his spirit. We are all working together to become rivers that come together to become a flood. That the Spirit of God can drive us to handle a situation and bring justice. And bring order. And bring goodness. And bring righteousness. The government cannot do it. Whoever your favorite politician is can't do it. Whatever political party you like can't do it. They're not equipped to do it. They're not anointed to do it, but you are. But we must become rivers and come together to become a flood. So let's just say this huge bucket represents our potential to pour out into our community, our city, our state as Faith Christian Center. And so if I can, all of you come here. And then the second row too. And just line up. Don't worry, I'm not throwing water on anybody. 
I'm adventurous, but I don't mess up people's hair. So this represents us here, members. This is our potential. And everything in this cup represents your time and your talent, you volunteering as part of Team Faith, serving where there's a need. Also represents you praying for the ministry and giving your spiritual supply. It also represents you tithing and giving your treasure. Here is what we can do together. So if you guys can go in and pour it in. Wait, 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 wait. It's not full. So she's given something. But it's not all three categories. It's like, well, but something's better than nothing. Jesus understands. I'm busy. Go ahead. Coming to church. Want everything from the church. But there's nothing. No time and talent. No tithe and treasure. No prayer. No supply of the Spirit. But they better answer when I call. Go ahead. And we look at our community and wonder why we don't see more things happening, but yeah, we can do something with this, but not everybody has put in their supply. But when we all come together, because it's not about the preacher. It's not, stop saying, oh. Yeah, pastor's amazing. I want you guys to like me. I do, but I don't want you to think that whether it rises and falls, all on me. Oh, God anointed our pastor. Yes, he did, but he anointed all of us. We're in this together. We rise and we fall together. We are the body of Christ. It's not just supposed to exalt some super spiritual person on the platform and think we don't have to do nothing because we're in the seats. We do it together. We are a body of believers. We are a family. But if we don't all give our prayer, our supply, our time, our talent, our tithe, and our treasure, what we do is limited. Which yet, we have to pull back from what we already do. If people don't continue to give, they'll begin to say, well, because they're building the building debt-free, they don't need me to give. A lie from hell. <laughs> Just because something's going well doesn't mean, well, I need to stop what I've been doing. No. Keep doing. We got work to do. The doors that are opening for us in that area, and we ain't even there yet, boggles our mind. We happen just to be by the Spirit in the right place at the right time, and it says, oh, we're so glad that you're coming. 
We have become the conversation of governments in the area. Multiple officials. The Lord is setting up some wonderful things. But if we don't do it together, even when we get into our new building, even when we celebrate 25 years of ministry next year, what we do will be limited. What we do will be head ba held back, not because of Satan, not because of Antichrist forces, but because everybody didn't give their supply. Every joint wasn't willing to do their supply. Everybody has a calling outside the house of God. Everybody is busy. There's no one in here who's not busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody's got a life. At least I hope you have a life. But everybody's busy. But that doesn't mean you don't have time to help. He says, well, I work on the weekend, so I'm not here every weekend. Well, call the office and say, well, what can I do to help during the week? You know, some people are like, well, what do the ministers and the people do all during the week? We can tell you. You spend two weeks with us, you will pray for us more. Why? There's always something to be done. And as we consistently give, we're consistently pouring out. What does that mean? we got to go back and fill up again. Because there's a thirsty, dry, dying world that needs us to be a flood. But we must all do our part. We're in this together. Amen? Thank you all. Stand to your feet. So get ready to God to you, for God to use you when you don't feel anointed, when you don't look the part. I'm telling you, he is going to do that. You will be going quickly to the grocery store. You may have just left the gym. You might stink. And God says, I need you to go minister to that person. I'm telling you by the Spirit, there are times coming where you're not going to feel the part or look the part, but God says, I need you to step out right now. Obey and give your supply. We will make a difference together in the house of God and outside the house of God. Why? We're going to make Jesus famous. We're going to bless neighborhoods and nations. We are going to change things. Why? We're becoming a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will drive us where he wants us to handle stuff, and we'll handle it. Why? We've got the rivers of life. We're a flood of life. Wherever we go, as we quoted Ezekiel two weeks ago, life comes. Amen. Every head bow, every eye close in prayer. No one moving or walking unless you've been assigned. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. 
We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.